we're going to change. We're going to make some changes to this group in the next uh, weeks to come, and, and uh, starting probably next week. We had a deacons meeting this week. I called it, and um, we'll have another one this week. And we're going to change some things. One of the things I it's been on my heart. I'm going to do this. I, you don't need to look at me. You just feel bad about yourself. You don't need to look at me. We have a we have this. I'm going to, I'm going to start putting the, uh, the the sermon outlines and the Sunday school outlines on the on the screen. Thank you. And we can read them together. That way I can be back here and walk around and do my thing. And I, I I don't fit up here anyway. I'm not good at pulpit ministry too good, but we'll talk and, and, and share together. We're going to put the outlines up here. I'll make them. Uh, Janet will. We're going to do kind of PowerPoint, whatever. We don't know how. We're, we're figuring that out. Praise God. Alex works too much. He's a nerd. And if he can teach us slowly and talk real slow, we're going to try to get this. But we'll have PowerPoint up here and, and some other things. We also want to have some singing on here. The words will be up there. We don't have to look at the hymnal. And we've got Love some it. good stuff we've got for you coming. Praise but God. we've got to get the equipment put together. Thank you, sir. Don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too much. We have some things coming. We want this group to grow. And grow mostly. We don't care. Numbers is all right, and that's good. But we want to grow in the spirit. Amen, brother. And the one thing that I heard about four people say for Baptism Sunday. Remember that about three weeks ago? The spirit was great here, and the singing was even good. I don't remember that singing being too good. The spirit was great. It was a different Sunday for some reason. It must have been because of the baptisms. But man, we were a family, weren't we? And we had that spirit here, and we can have that here every day, every Sunday, every Wednesday, whenever we meet. And we're going to do some more of that. So what I want to do in the future is have more participation from people, and we're going to get into that. A lot more participation from people. But I want to invite the Holy Spirit here every Sunday. Every time we meet, I want to invite him here through worship music. And I want to tell you right now, most of what they call worship music, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of, but there's some really good stuff out there. Amen, brother. It just raises your spirit. And if we, if we sing together, and we really sing, your spirit is prepared to worship. And if we don't, I have to get up here and start cold. And so i got to tell you some dumb stuff for about ten minutes, and then I, I, I get you where I want you. Listen, we're going to do that. We're moving in that direction in the next weeks, couple weeks, maybe next week, but we're going to start on it this week. I want you to know we're going to, I'm going to start putting the outline up here so we can see it together. I have um, my outlines right now are just scripture. I have nothing between. I have no commentary. I have scripture. And um, that's not what I'm going to do to you. We're going to put up some outlines that make sense for you to read and follow along. You can take notes. We may come to a day when we uh, pass out a little sheets. I don't about that. It's up to you. But we're going to change some stuff, and I think you'll be very glad. I want this, um, my heart's been uh, ready for and wanting to change for about a year now, and not quite sure how to take that. But we're going to do it. Um, in the current study we're in, and I want to start with that and use that for a springboard to some other thoughts, we're in Revelation chapter 6, and we're looking at the horses. And Revelation chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, and we have, we have four horses there, four colored horses. And what does that mean? What, is, what do those mean? Now, I just want you to turn to Revelation 6, hold your finger there, and go to Matthew 24. Amen, brother. Matthew 24 and, and Revelation 6. And I want you just to see with me very quickly 
how the Lord lays it out. The, the question is, can you believe the Bible? Amen. Can, you, can you trust the Lord? Is His Word true? Uh, are these things foretold, for one, and, and can they be trusted? Are, are they to be believed? And so Revelation 6 and 1, it says, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, it, behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. In verse 3 of 6, Revelation 6, and when it opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. First horse white, second horse red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword, a red horse, a bloody horse. Revelation 6 and 5. And, and I heard, when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I mean, where'd that go? What's the next say? Six, 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 seven. I'm, I can't even make my... I didn't finish six, six. I didn't print it either, so you read that in your Bible. <laughs> Revelation 6.6. 6. Okay, okay, Janet will make the outlines. And, uh, I do Penny, uh, Penny for your, uh, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures, and three measures of barley for a penny. penny. I don't understand that. And see thou hurt not the oil. You asked me about that before. Yeah, you were going to do it last week and then we didn't have her. Yeah. It's all about you, and yeah, I don't want to answer you. Again, Denise, it's okay. all about you, okay? Okay. Here's how it goes. This is, this is the fulfillment of a prophecy. This is the fulfillment of a prophecy in real time. John is standing before the throne of God. He's been, it, it's symbolically between, between uh, uh, Revelation 4 and 5. Uh, three and four, I'm sorry, three and four, the rapture happens. The church is taken out. And, and, and symbolically, John hears a voice that says, come up here. That's what we're all going to hear. Every Christian is going to hear at the end of the church age, before this great tribulation begins, this hideous stuff begins, every Christian is going to be gone. We're going to be in heaven watching the unsealing. We're going to be quiet. We're not going to have anything to say. That's going to affect some of us tremendously. You see in verse uh, 1 of chapter 8 it says, And they opened the seventh seal, and there was a space of about a half an hour of total silence. And I, I tweeted that out last week to you because I wanted you to think about it. What did they see? What would cause that millions and millions and millions of people, those elders that are around the throne, the living creatures that we see in King James called beasts, but they're the creatures, the creatures before God. What happens when Christ opens the last seal of the last will and testament of God the Father? That is the little book. That's the sealed book that no one could open but Jesus. 
he starts to undo the seals and horses come out. And the first horse is about false Christ. That's a false Christ. Don't let anybody tell you that is Christ coming to conquer. Out of, out of place, out of time, and, and out of prophecy. This is a false Christ because he has a bow, but he has no arrow. It's a cold war. It, it's a lying governmental bureaucracy. It's a, it's a lie. It's a cold war. He's going to come saying peace, peace and safety, peace and safety. And three and a half years into the seven years, the middle of the week, Daniel says, three and a half years into the seven years of that great tribulation, he's going to stand up and say, all deals are off. Israel's going to fall hook, line, and sinker. He's going to make a peace treaty with Israel, this great Antichrist. Now, let me tell you this. I have, every time I study this, I get new insights into the, into the Word of God. I was looking up some words, and what I want to tell you today is please look up the words. If you do not have a Strong's Concordance, you let us know and we'll get you one. If you don't have a Strong's Concordance, let us know and we'd be happy to give you one. Look up the words. I think there's one downstairs. There's one, yeah, there is one downstairs. If you might want it, they're certainly welcome to it, but we'll get, we'll get you study supplies. Yeah. Here's the deal. Look up the words. And so I'm studying this and I'm thinking, hmm, this is, and I have these wonderful thoughts and I'm a genius at my house, but as soon as I leave it goes away, so no one's been privy to that. I'm a genius at home, I'm looking up the words. Go back with me and I look, look in Matthew 24 and verse 4. I told you to hold your place. Matthew 24 and verse 4. And you remember the disciples asked Jesus, what should be the sign of thy coming? And of the end times and the last days and so forth. And Jesus answered, verse 24 of Matthew 24, this is the prophecy given that is fulfilled in the horses. This is the... Yeah, what I said? Verse 24. It's chapter 24 and verse 4. Thank you. And please do that. Stop me. But here's the thing. In a couple of weeks, I'm, you can look up there and see it when I make a mistake. Just keep going because that's going to be on the it's going to be on the screen, and I don't you probably, so I don't mean to deceive you. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we're going to have that. Everybody, I, I think if we have an auditory and visual, it'll help learning. I think we put those two things together. I'm not the original originator of that. Many people have done it. It works well. So here's what I found in Matthew 24, and Jesus answered Matthew 24 verse 4, and Jesus answered and said unto them. Take heed that no man deceive you. Why are so many people going to be into the Great Tribulation? Because they were deceived. They didn't accept Jesus Christ. They didn't receive the love of the truth, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. They did not receive the love of the truth. They didn't, they didn't come to a place in their life where they had the Bible in their hand and said, if, if, if I could lose any of the things that I have in this world, this is the last thing I want to lose. If, if I came home, my house was on fire. This is what I go in there for. Not the strong box. Not the china. Not my bell bottoms from 76. That I'm going to get back into. I'm going to go in there and get my Bible. Because this thing I love. I can live without money. I, I, I have some, but I, I, I've had it done before. I can do pretty well without money. A lot of money, some money. I can do without a lot of clothes. I can do without the things in my house. All the material things in my house are material things in my house. 
But I'm telling you what, and it's, I'm telling you it's my testimony this morning, this is what I've run in yet. Praise God. I have 27 of them. So Janet would have to come get them with me. <laughs> and so, we can burn up all her fancy stuff. So, Look what happened. Take heed, Jesus said, when they asked him, what shall be the sign of thy coming and the sign of the end times and the end of the world? And Jesus said, oh, here's a sign. He didn't say that. He said, take very first thing out of God's mouth when the question was asked, take heed that no man deceive you. It's going to be a time of great deception for one thing. What's going to be the sign of it? Great deception. Folks, if we don't live in a world that's mostly deceived, I'm, I don't know what I, I don't know anything, and Amen. that may be. Amen. But I'm either I either know more or I, I don't know anything. There's not there's no division anymore. Either the world has gone crazy, and we can see it because the Holy Spirit gives us discernment, or else I'm completely off my nut. And you decide. But we have a manual to teach us, and to tell us, and to guide us, and a Holy Spirit to teach us. Praise God. And here's what we have. Jesus said, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. Well, listen. How many times have I read that in my life? You don't know, because I don't know. How many times have you read that? You've forgotten. We've seen it before. How many times? This says... Many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. So I looked up many, because I think that's a word that needs to be described to me. Listen now, what I discovered. It says many forms shall come. Many what? Forms. F-O-R-M-S, forms. There will be a lot of forms come in my name. Made it make perfect sense. Look what he said. Deceiving. What is, a, what is a white horse? He come on a white horse with a crown and a bow. There's a form of him saying, I am the Christ. It's called the Antichrist. And I'm thinking, what are these horses? And by the way, it isn't the rider on the horse. It's the color of the horse that tells you the movement that's going to take place. What is going to happen is, is depicted not by the rider, but by the color of the horse. And so the white horse depicts a false Christ, a false Messiah. That's why he said, many shall come in my name. Don't be deceived. That's not me. In Matthew 24 and verse 6, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. What did Revelation say? And I saw a horse come out that was red. And he was given to him to take peace from the earth and he should kill and he should kill one another the first horse, white, false Christ second horse, red war take peace from the world folks, here's my point this morning Christ gave the prophecy it's, it's literally in, in real time we see how it's going to unfold in Revelation, the fulfillment of that prophecy the third thing he said, there shall be famines and pestilence. That's the next horse. He comes with a pair of balances in his hand. On a black horse. Famine. Starvation. Uh, diseases. What's the next horse? In the midst of the four beasts, 
black horse head, a measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. That's a really confusing or, or, or frustrating verse. I've looked up the words and I want to tell you what I believe it means, and uh, Tony Evans thinks the same way. He's pretty sharp. And Wiersbe believed it, so I'm on good ground. <laughs> The third horse is going to come and create starvation. You rule people. You rule people by taking away their food supply. And I'll tell you what terrorism is, by the way. Terrorism is this. David, you do this or else. David says no. David, I mean it. You better do it. Do it. And he says, do what you have to to me. Do what you must. I say, David, you don't understand the price. So the price is high. And David says, to my life, I'm saying, I'm not doing it. And I'm going to get Angie. I'm going to stop. Wait, 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 wait. Right? Okay, I've got your daughter at my house. Oh, who? Okay, what, what do you want? got your grandkids. Terrorism is this. If I can't make you do what I want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt someone you love. I'm going to hurt you that way. And I'm telling you what. When we hear about it and read about it and see about it and just heard an hour about the martyrs, someone tell you something. Oh, I don't know how that spirit works in our day. What do you do? You going to do that? You going to renounce the scriptures? I'll never renounce the scriptures. It'll cost your life. All right? You got your grandkids here. I'll see you in heaven. I'll see you there. That's all I can say. That's like, that's what they yeah, do. come see me. I'll, I'll go. I'll go and prepare you for you. Come see me. That's what terrorism is. The way you do that is to watch a grandchild in the corner sucking on his thumb, crying because it hasn't eaten for ten days and there's no food because you believe the Bible and the and the people in charge say then you can't buy and sell. That's a black horse. It makes one loaf of bread for a day's wages. The person working can feed themselves but none of their family. Or they can feed their family and not be strong enough to work the next day. But the oil and the wine for the wealthy. But what's that what's the Antichrist going to do? The wealthy are going to have all they want, all they need, all they could ever desire. But we, the people, are going to have nothing. Don't hurt the oil and the wine. Don't hurt the luxuries of life. Don't hurt the luxurious things of the wealthy. But from the common people, you take away the daily necessities. That makes sense to me. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. And so, in verse 7, it says, When he opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice in the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I saw a pale horse. Everybody ever seen Pale Rider? Clint Eastwood? No, I'm not him. Um, guess what this is all about? man has been shot re repeatedly. You see a one scene where he has scars on his back. He's been shot repeatedly, and he's still there. And he, he can't die, apparently, but he is a preacher. And he's come to set it straight. This is a pale rider. This is the pale horse. And uh, the Bible says, and he that, uh, his name was Death. He said on was Death, and hell followed him. And power was given 
unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. I'm going to be able to call out even the beast to come and slay children and slay people. You go to your mailbox and something will jump out and just eat you. You want to live through that? Want your kids living through that? Folks, this, this is why I'm here. I don't want you going through that. I don't want your kids going through it. I don't want your grandkids going through it. And the only way to escape this is to be part of the saved people who are raptured out. And there will be a way to get saved during this tribulation period, but when you do, it's, you're dead. They're going to cut your head off immediately. When you testify for Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's going to cost you your life on the spot. If they know about it, and as soon as, soon as they can catch you, hunt you down and track you down, they're going to, the Bible says, decapitate you for believing the Bible. It's not hard right now, folks. Not for us. Around the world it is, and it's coming to our neighborhood. Yeah. It's coming very quickly to our country. But you know what? It doesn't cost us to be a Christian right now except this. We, we get this peace we've never had before. Jen and I, our counseling that we do outside of this building, outside of our business and so forth, we, counseling. We, we had an hour and a half, two hours yesterday, a little counseling session. <clears throat> While we were counseling someone, we got a text from someone else uh, suffering, and it's just the way it's going. You want to know what's wrong with the world? You want to know what's wrong with the world? We, we lost our peace. We've lost our joy. You want to know what's wrong with our families? The kids aren't believing. The parents believe it. That's right. they're, they're hearing the talk but not seeing what the Lord has to offer in the Word of God. And so here's what I discovered in my studies this week. I know it. You're amazed. Here's what happened. And Jesus said, and his prophecy about these horses is that many forms shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. The first form is a white horse and rider. The second form is a red horse and rider. I believe that. I believe from putting the text together. He said, many shall come in my name. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by the, the, the problems that are going on in the world. You know what? I can't imagine if I was in that situation, I'd want to live another day. But anyway, that's the way it's going to go. Now, here's what I want to talk about this morning. Here's what I want to talk about this morning with you. The prophecy fulfillment in Revelation through the horses and through the sixth chapter were given by Christ to his disciples in Matthew 24 and 25. They're very lengthy passages, but it tells you so much. And this is now the fulfillment of those prophecies. And the horses come, and there are different forms of the state of the world under the satanic antichrist ruling and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse until Jesus returns now here's our thing you don't want your children living through that you don't want to live through it I don't want to live through it but the kids aren't buying it the kids aren't buying it well, I'm telling you, when I'm, when I'm uh, talking to just my clients every day, I have about two or three questions that when it gets quiet enough that no one can hear what we're talking about, when it gets quiet enough, i got about three questions I ask them. 
I'm talking about lifelong churchgoers. And the kids aren't buying. You know why? I talked to one yesterday. Yeah, it's all over. It's all over. Here's what the Bible says, Matthew 28, verse 19. And it says, go and teach all nations. The last thing Christ said was, go ye and teach all nations, baptizing them. Right? But listen to this for just a moment. This is, this is, and I've told you before, and I base my ministry on this chapter. It is Nehemiah chapter 8. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read you about three verses. Nehemiah chapter 8. And when I came to this as a young preacher, it, it revolutionized my thinking process about who I am and who God sees me to be and what I need to be for you. And it says in Nehemiah, the people, it says in verse eight, uh, 1 of chapter 8, and all the people gathered themselves together, and Ezra the scribe, bring the book of the law of Moses, and Ezra the priest, And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, verse 2, both men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the people until midday. And those that could understand the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. People used to stand and read the book. People used to read and people would listen for four or five hours just stand, and standing, just stand and listen for four or five hours. A, a priest reading from the, from the Bible. But now about five till twelve, people start looking at the clock. And that may be mostly my fault, but it's what America is doing. And Ezra the scribe stood up in a pulpit of wood that they had made for the purpose. And verse 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Verse 6, Ezra blessed the Lord, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Listen now, this is where I came. I'm studying this as a young man. I'm studying this just a couple, maybe five or six years into the ministry. How long have we been here now, this building? Oh, seven. This church has, has a history. But here's all. Here's uh, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I see is my part. I, don't, I, I want us to all define our parts. It says in verse eight. So they read the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. That's my job. Richard brought up a couple weeks ago about the Bema seat, it is so important to understand the words. And yes, it is original language, and yes, you can look it up, and yes, it, it's, not able, it's not only the way Paul described it and what Paul used in a Greek sense, the judgment seat of Christ in the Bible, you look it up, it's called B-E-M-A in the Greek, but it not only means, it means two things, and it's why chapter 19 of John is so important, it's this, they brought Jesus Christ to the Bema seat, which means it's a tribunal. And now he's caught, and now he has no answer. 
And the reason they were so upset with Pilate, the reason that they wanted to kill Pilate, and the reason they did everything contrary to what was right, was Pilate, knowing he would be wrong to judge against Christ, would not make the judgment in the Bema Sea. He would not carry out the tribunal. They saw that as weakness or whatever. Pilate's wife came out and said, I had a dream last night. Don't you, do, don't, don't you dare sentence this man. And Pilate said, yeah. Well, he wouldn't do, he wouldn't do his part of a, of a tribunal. Now, Paul used that word. That's in, uh, that's in John 19. Paul used that word in the 14th of Romans and the, fourth, and the 10th verse. He calls it, don't you know we're all going to stand before the tribunal? He used it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. He said, don't you know we're going to stand at the bema? He used the language of the day that meant what they needed to hear. You know what that is, folks? Causing them to get the sense of it and to understand it. That's why we look up the words. That's why, and so uh, Richard was concerned, about maybe some people didn't understand all that, and that's fine. And so I asked to do a Bible study, and yeah, we've been through that through four times, but this is what I want to be up here where we can all see it, the proof of it. Where did I get it? What are the words? What do they mean? I talk to people on almost a daily basis that think they're going to get into an argument with Christ and, and, and persuade him that they're a lot better person than, than he might think. Folks, we have no voice at the Bema. We have no voice at the judgment seat. We have no voice at the tribunal. It is about rewards and lots of rewards, but the verdict has already been made. And the Lord says, I'm going to do one thing for you and show you how I came up with this and take everything that he's recorded about us and pass it through a fire. And he said, see what's left? That's the judgment. Why you did or didn't do, you, you can say all day. I know why you didn't, because you, you wanted to do something for you. Why you didn't serve me, you served you in that, in that, I know. You want to say, well, my kids, my wife, my job, my, mm -mm. and we're going to talk about that. Do you see with me then? So they read the book of the law of God distinctly, gave the sense, and caused them to understand it. I work with, I work with uh, a lot of people during the day that come in and I talk to them. And here's, here's, a, here's a tremendous uh, flaw in the church today, in my opinion. A lot of people have been in church a lot of their life. That's right. And a lot of them say, a lot of those people say, I don't really know the Bible. So, not only do we need to know what it says, we need to understand what it means. Amen, brother. That is what this tells me. Cause them to gain the sense of it and have understanding. And so, I, okay, and if I use a word you're not aware of, stop me. I'd love to show you where I'm getting my information. As a matter of fact, that's partly why I decided to put it all up on the overhead. We can all see it. But if you don't have a Strong's Concordance or a Bible with a good note referencing column, get a Strong's. That's why the Lord said through Paul, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study. This is not a casual reading. You're not going to get very much out of this in one hour a week. If, this, if, it, if that's your plan, you're already going to fail. You don't know why? Because it's the business of the Holy Spirit to teach His children one-on-one. -on -one. This is congregational um, 
this is corporate amen. We, we get together and we say, that's what it says. That's right. We get together and read that and go, that is, that's a word of God, folks. That's right. What am I going to do about it? That's your deal. What am I going to do about it? My deal. But that is right now. What does it mean? We know it's right. What does that mean? And so the Bible says, compare Scripture with Scripture. I don't, I don't look at a lot of different books, a lot. I do have reference. I, I love the commentaries. But I'll tell you this, what I found in my old age as a preacher, in my older years, the Bible explains itself. It tells, it tells itself. That's why the man that's up in an in Aborigines cave somewhere with a Bible in his hand, and that's why we're paying these, uh, Zach was telling you, we're, we're, people are trying to smuggle Bibles, not commentaries. They're trying to smuggle, because the Holy Spirit will teach you the Word of God. Praise God. He'll, he'll teach you the Word of God, and he'll say, don't you remember? Don't you remember you just read that yesterday in, in, uh, in the book of Ezra? And Nehemiah is talking about it now. Yeah, but look, they, they work together. And don't you remember now? now? Oh, last week you were in Daniel. Same thing. Same thing. Same Holy Spirit teaching the same truth from the same word. And so we want to talk about this. Here's what, here's what Matthew 28, 19 says, if you get the sense of it. And some of your Bibles, if it's not King James, actually says this. Go into all the world making disciples. Well, what does that mean? How, you know what? I'm not here to ridicule because I feel bad about it myself, but I don't know many church members that are disciples themselves, really. And how can they go make disciples? Making, making disciples just has teaching others what you know, what you've gone through, showing that younger person what it means to be a disciple. Let's see what that means real quick and we'll go home. The disciples, now this is what we put on, this is something I put on there if I had a screen behind you. Listen, here's what I'm going to talk to you about. Discipleship. This is about discipleship. We're going to look at the call of discipleship, the cost of it, and the cross-bearing of discipleship. Why are our kids not buying it? Why is the next generation not buying our, our Christian life? Our, yeah, yeah, I got to see. So, the news works me up like everybody else, really. Do you think Jesus would be on YouTube going, oh, my word, can you imagine? The Bible says evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, and man, it's going on. Amen, That's brother. what I can tell you. Amen. It is happening in, in uh, warp speed. Everywhere. There's more happening under the surface of this earth than there is on top. And it's been thousands of years of plan. But I'm going to tell you something I discovered as I was studying these things, listening to them. This is the fourth time that the world has come to this point, and God has stopped it every time. God said, no, no. See, Revelation tells you how it's going to go. You don't, get to, you don't get to make the call. And by the way, you people that want the worst for everybody and the best for you and your sick little individuals and you hurt children at any cost and, and it's all about you and you want the money and you want to rob everybody else, he says, you'll be those in the end of chapter 6 that say, mountains fall on me. The Lord has come back and who? Listen. Who shall be able to stand? You know what it says in the next chapter? The called, the called to be able to stand. We're going to stand in this. We're going to stand before the throne. Now we're going to go to our knees in worship. But He's going to call us to stand. Praise God. You know what He's saying? You read the scriptures. It's beautiful. When Jesus calls His His disciples home, when He calls His children home, what He's saying is, "Now you stand here beside me." 
you stand alongside me. It shows solidarity. He says, if you believe me, stand up. And don't you know this Jesus that we read about? The lamb died, but the lion's coming back. The lamb died, and people think because Pilate mocked him, and the priest and the, and the judges of the day and the scribes and the Levites, they, they, they mocked him, and Jesus just said, you, you have to just see, I guess. I'm telling you the truth. This is not my kingdom. Oh, are you a king, are you? Oh, my, am I? Am I? Go ahead. Kill me. Go ahead. You'll see. And that lion that died for you and me and was spit on and beaten and hung on a cross is going to come back one day as a lion from Judah. And he's going to say, okay, everything I told you is playing out today. For those of you that believe me, this is the best day you ever had. For those that didn't, you're going to be begging the mountains to fall on you and hide you, but I don't know where you are. I had a man call me one day and say, I'm dying. And I said, well, you sure? He said, yeah. I said, I am too. What's your story? He said, they told me I have a week. I said, well, you probably are dying. He said, I, I want to tell you something. My kids are going to call you to do my funeral. I don't want you to. <laughs> And I said, I don't think you're going to have a vote. <laughs> you're dying. And he said, I don't want you to come. And I said, out of respect for you and your call, I will not go. But I said, tell me about that. What, what have I done to you? And he said, nothing. He said, you're the one that makes me nervous. He said, I know what I believe, but that time I talk to you, I start thinking, well, uh, I don't know, you, you almost talked me into it. I said, I don't want to talk you into anything. What you get talked into, you can get talked out of. But, I want you to hear the word of God. He said, I don't believe it. I don't, I'm not buying it. I don't believe it. And I'm going to have him burn my body and dump me in the ocean. I said, why? Because if by chance you're right, the Lord can't find me. I said, that's why you're ducking the Lord. You don't know him. He put this together. I mean, what else can he do? Amazing. The Lord's going to summon all of his creation back to a regeneration. He's, the Bible says, behold, he makes all things new. It doesn't say he makes new things. He makes all things in their original state before man got a hold of it. And so the call is this. He says in Matthew 11 and 28, a familiar verse, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He's calling disciples. This is the first scripture. There's a break there that his own country, his Jerusalem, the Jews had rejected him. And he turns now to a universal ministry and says, now come unto me. He came for his own. His own received him not. He turned to the world. And this is the first offer from Christ to the entire world. Not the Jewish. He, he came to save his own. And they said, we don't want you. And he said, you don't want me? And he turned around this way and said, the new Gentile, the world come. Come unto me. And why do you say, I'll give you rest? Why would God say, why would Jesus say, come to me and I'll give you rest? Of all the things he could give out, if you come to him, why would he say rest? I'm telling you, the heart of mankind is at odds even with ourselves. There's no, there's no real peace. I've met so many people. I have been in the inner circle of millionaires 
and paupers. And can I tell you this? They're all the same. If you think, as soon as I get this amount, this place, this car, this truck, this vehicle, this house, this address, and these things, I'll be happy, you're lying to yourself. That's right. Amen, brother. still going to be you with all that stuff. If the heart is not satisfied, the mind will never be at peace. And here's what's worse, even. If you set a goal and you say this, one day if I just get this, I'll be happy, and you get that, guess what? Now it's me. I have to look at me in the mirror and say this, I got it, but I'm still not happy. And by happy, I mean this, fulfilled. I mean have total fulfillment, peace of heart, gratitude and joy that the Lord is so good. That's what the kids aren't seeing. That's right. That's what the young people come and say, I know you know my Sunday parent, but you don't know my Tuesday parent. You don't, you don't know what mom and dad say when they're, someone calls a thousand dollar problem. It's like, oh, it's all on you and blah, blah, blah. And it's all about money. Instead of saying, well, things happen and we'll see how the Lord works this out. When the peace of God is not there, there is no peace there. That's right. And, and make people frantic to go the next day and start again and try it again. And I'll just do more. It's not working, so I'll do more. What kind of logic is that? I've been doing this thing for 50 years and I don't feel peace. I better do more of it. Come on. How about this? I believe I better turn around and walk the other direction. Is that right or not? It's called repentance. My way's not working. I think I'll try the Lord's way. You know what the Lord demands? Demands. You give you to me. You're done. I'm in charge. That's the rub. That's where people say no. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's the call. The cost of it is this, Matthew 10, beginning Matthew 10, verse 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me. I wish this was up here this morning. I wish your eyeballs could follow this instead of just your ears, and it can in your Bible, but I'm not wishing it was up here in big print. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Do you know how many people govern what they do or don't do because of what the family thinks? It's insanity. Well, my son, he, mm, I don't know, man, he wouldn't respect me if I, if I sold out to Christ. Can I tell you something? You wouldn't believe what they'd take of you. Now, there are people sold out to Christ and their kids are not there. Listen, that is their deal. Christ said, be not deceived. They are deceived, folks. If I sell out to Christ and he gets in charge, how am I sure I'm going to get everything I want the rest of my life? <laughs> There's two ways of being wealthy, folks. Have enough to get whatever you want or don't want much. And I've chosen the latter. But I'm going to tell you this. When I got Christ, I got all I want. When Christ called me into a, 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 a salvation, personal relationship when I was 10 years old, I didn't know much about it. The boy's been a privilege and a joy for 54 years learning what that happened that day. It's been a joy. You know what, you know what I believe about what what I have and Janet has, what the Lord wants us to have. 
If he wants us to have it, you going to stop it? You going to withhold something from me or tell somebody something on me? Or are you going to stop it? If the Lord wants me to have it, you know what I know? It's already mine. And I've learned this too. If he don't want me to have it, I get it anyway. It's a thorn in my flesh and it needs to go. I don't care what, how shiny it is and how much it costs, it needs to go. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. He that loses his life shall find it. He that loses his life, the Bible says, for my sake, he said, the Lord says. This is what the Amplified says in, in, in Luke 14 and 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's right. There is a churches around town that say, disciples of Christ. Go in there and see the, go in there and see how many people have forsaken everything for the Lord. Here's what I think. Be careful what you call yourself. And I'm saying something else. Be careful singing these songs unto the Lord. I surrender all. All to thee I give. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Liar. Liar. I'm talking about myself. I used to sing that on Sunday morning, go home and go, wait a minute, what did I say? I was talking to Chuck and Cindy one day, and I, I mentioned that in a Sunday school hour. That's all she could talk about for two weeks. Now, wait a minute, what are you saying? Are you saying when you sing something? <laughs> I said, if you don't believe it, how can you sing it? Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What does that mean? Any of the Lord's calling you to hate your mother? Some of you are doing a pretty good job without the Bible. You think the Lord's calling you to hate your sister, brother, and all that? That's not what that, that is not what it's saying, folks. What's the, so, go back to Ezra. So we need to get, get the sense of it and the meaning of it. There's another verse that says if you don't, if you don't uh, honor your father and mother, you'll get cancer. Is that what it says? I don't know. It says health to the Marrow of your bones. Where does cancer come from? Lord said, "You want to be a healthy person? Honor your parents." That's right. That doesn't mean you believe everything they do and do everything they tell you. It doesn't mean that at all. It means you honor them. There's a difference there. So what does that mean? If any man come to me and hate not his father, mother, sister, bride, children, dog, cat, if you don't hate everything else but me, here's what it means: Christ is preeminent in our heart. He's above all else. My mother, father, wife, children, brothers, sisters, and my own life do not checkmate Christ. The Bible says this. My family, whatever level of family wants me to do something else, folks, it's not even a contest if, you, if you're halfway in love with Christ. Not even, it's not even, you don't hear the entire sentence. It's not a contest. You're like, no, that no, that's a no, no, that's a no. It's a no when you say it, it's a no when I say it. We were in a family Bible study one night, myself and about three siblings and spouses, my older brother at his house, and having a Bible study on Friday night, reading the Word of God, going through the Word of God. And uh, we were we were so 
um, we were patting ourselves on the back because our grandparents were alcoholics and none of us were. But we were something. I mean, they, I heard stories. They all died before I got here. <laughs> I think they died because they wanted to. But they died before I got here. I had one grandmother when I was born. And she was crippled with childhood and uh, polio. Man, she walked. When she stepped down on, on her right foot, her, her whole, I thought her whole, I thought she was going to fall down every time. She, and it was hard for her to walk. And she had a cane. And she would use that thing. And, and she liked to see us move faster than she could, so she would whack us with that thing. We got up one morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. Boom! She was staying with us. I forgot to tell you that. Grandma was staying in our house. Pretty nice to my stepmother, because this is my mother's mother, and my mom was dead, so we, my dad went and got grandma and brought her out. <laughs> and we heard this crash. It sounded like somebody remodeling the house at 2 a.m. And so we all are, all of a sudden, at the bathroom door. And there's grandma, with her head against the wall in the tub, and her feet sticking over the edge, and all down in there. And my dad looked over us and said, Georgia, what are you doing? She said, I fell. He said, I see that. Why did you fall? She said, I tripped on that rug. He said, why did you trip on the rug? She said, I couldn't see it. He said, why couldn't you see it? She said, I didn't turn the light on. He goes, why not? She said, I didn't want to disturb anyone. <laughs> and Dad said, well, it didn't work, did it? <laughs> There's about three of you and five of you. Get her out of there and check her head. I went back to bed. I have one grandmother. And my dad said, yes, your grandfather's had a drinking problem. And their wives started going with them to the bars just to be with them. If they wanted to be with them, they were going to go there. And they, they started drinking. He, he said to me this, before he died, don't do it. That's right. Don't do that. Amen, brother. He said, you don't have, you don't have the DNA strength to beat that. You can't beat it. You'll make excuses all your life, and it will beat you to death. And so we're sitting on Bible study going, hey, we're doing sweet tea. And then we look in the Proverbs, and it says drunkenness and gluttony struck us down. Our Bible studies had so much food involved, and that's the only reason I come to a Baptist church anyway. We had food, and we had desserts, and we had fellowship, and we had fun. And if you know my family, that's what we do. We all got together and had a great big meal and spent the day laughing. Used to do that. Not much fun anymore. Be my disciple. Who's game this morning in this room to be a disciple of Christ? Luke 9 and 23, it says this, and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. There's three things that most people fall down there. Deny himself, take up his cross, instrument of death, die to yourself. All the things that I want, all my plans, all my ambitions. Lord, is that what you want for me or not? Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Time to go home. I'm going to close with two verses. These days, these coming days, we're going to start worshiping the Lord.
We're going to sing praises to him. We're going to sing together. Praise God. We're going to put it up there where everybody not worry about their handle and look at the front and put your head up and be, and be heard and sing out. We're going to put some music with it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start Sunday school with the, with the kids coming up here in these front rows and singing a song with us before Sunday school. And I know. And Dick. Dick's going to say it right here. <laughs> Every time the kids do anything in this church, I hear about it for a month. It makes me feel bad. It makes me feel great. We're going to start singing to the Lord. We're going to look at the words. We're going to go slowly through them. There's no reason to hurry. I'm going to stand in the aisle with you and look at that and say, read that next one with me. What does that say? What does it say? And what's the sense of it? How do we understand this? And other verses. This is not a race. This is a time to get understanding of the Word of God. None of that is going to happen worth, worth a hoot if we don't invite the Holy Spirit to come and teach us His Word. We need to learn to pray. We need to learn to worship God. I'm not saying you're not doing these things. I'm saying we're going to get a lot better at it. Praise God. I want to, yeah, we'll talk about it later. I want our church to get involved in some ministries. I want this to happen. I do, and the deacons have agreed with me already. We're having another meeting. Did I shut my garage? Barbara. I think my truck's out. Oh. Here's what I think. I want, I want us to quit talking about gifts and start using them. I think we should stop talking about gifts and start using them. You know what your gift is? How about if we have other people tell you? How about if we have people who've known you for a while and look at you and say this? I don't know what your I don't know for sure, but I'll tell you this. I see this in you. And if that's easy for you and it comes naturally, some people are fighting their gifts. And what happens is they, they're frustrated and think, I can't be heard, I don't have, I can't, I can't get one across what I want to. You're not in your gift. You're in your desire. I believe that. And there's another possibility of, of covered sin. And so we're going to go to Psalm 126, and we're going to close this morning. Psalm 126. says, when the Lord turned against the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. When these people got out of captivity, when these people been in 70 years of Babylonian captivity, it said, when the Lord turned the, the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. It was like a dream to us. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathens, the Lord hath done this, uh, great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Are you glad this morning for what the Lord has done for you? Amen, brother. Does anybody else know it? Praise God. Do your kids believe it? Does your co-workers, your neighbors, does your spouse believe it? I mean, there's so many people talking to me how happy they are. I'm like, their face has not gotten the message. It's just sad. Look at verse 5. Here's a promise. Here's a proper promise, whatever you want to call it. Amen. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Praise God. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. 
How are we going to affect this world? This church isn't very big. Sometimes it's packed, sometimes it's not. The summer is real hard on a full crowd here. And I get that, and I'm okay with that. You need to have family time. Go, have family time. But when you go into the world on a day-to-day -day basis, I want to ask you a question, we'll be done. When's the last time you looked at your kids? When's the last time you looked at your coworker, your neighbor, somebody you love very much that don't really know the Lord? And it brought you to tears. It's not, a, it's not a, I'm better than you and why don't you ever do it? It's not that. That doesn't win us. So it's tears that say this. You're going to go through some terrible things and then go to hell. Why don't you, why don't you trust him now? Why don't you get saved now? Why don't you? I asked my kids, the two of them are here, two out of the three are here this morning. I asked my kids on a fairly regular basis. Uh, I'm not the best preacher in town. We got that. I'm not the best dad there ever was. They understand that. But do you believe that I believe what I'm talking about in the pulpit? I don't know much about carpentry. I'm not a mechanic. I can do the first part, the demolition of everything, until somebody can come and fix it. I can tear it up pretty good. I've never tried to be a carpenter mechanic. I put my years into the Word of God. And I wouldn't take a day back. I'm not asking my kids, what do you think of my skill level? I'm not asking that. I'm asking them this. Do you believe that I believe what I preach? Does my life, does my life live that out? It means, it means more to me than anything else. Anything else. I have a... I'll realize about... 30 now, the other kids, and so I go to their house, and I, I don't care what's inside their house, I live at the front porch, because that's where I'm going to sit on the first date night, cleaning my gun. Try it, you strange little boy. <laughs> yes, try it. And they laugh now, they laugh now, but wait till my son called me dad. So I might know it. Is he a creeper? <laughs> You a creeper, huh? I'll go with them. I'll buy. Holy Dairy Queen, I like that. Long Folks, do we go out there? Does it bring a tear to us? Do we, do we take the precious word of God and do we sow the seed of God and water with our own tears because we can't stand it? Because if you can stand it, they're going to wear you out. But if you can't stand it, They'll either quit coming around or they'll turn one or the other. And trust me, if it's bad enough, either one's fine. You mean what you say. Are we here to win souls or not? Some things are coming here. We're going to change it up a little bit. And I hope you go with us. I hope you'll be part of it. We want everybody to use their gifts. Do you mean it? Do you? Stand to your feet if you would and we'll close. We're going to have a song here in just a moment. I'm going to close in prayer. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. Lorna Browning has COVID. Lorna Browning. Lorna. Huh? Alexander has uh, COVID. That's Trisha's mom.
And we're going to sing one more. If you don't want, if you have things to do and go, go on. But we're going to sing one more. But Lord, I want to say this to you. Father, we just thank you for this hour. We ask that you would take it to our hearts and our spirits and our minds that we would quit playing in church.